You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5, if you would, this morning. We're continuing our uh, theme for the new year, Launch Out. From Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at this morning. We're going to be in this passage of Scripture for uh, the next uh, five weeks or so. Uh, and then after we wrap that up, we're going to go back to the book of Ephesians. Now, last year, we were going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse uh, in our Live Together series, and we did not finish it by the end of the year. And rather than try to cram it all in at the end, we're just going to put it on pause for a second and pick it back up in a few weeks and finish out the book of Ephesians. Uh, I had a chance this week to put together my preaching calendar for the rest of the year and some thoughts we're going to be taking a look at and some Bible pastors, and I don't, I'm super fired up about that. And so all you have to do is show up with your heart prepared, and I promise you I'll preach the word every single week faithfully. Uh, Luke chapter 5 is where we're at this morning. Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse number 1 here. <coughs> it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. When he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they would come and help them. And so they came and filled both the ships that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so it was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. For us, we, uh, our family moved back to Honolulu. We had lived here for four years before, but we moved back in 2013 in the summertime and uh, really took about 90 days to begin to lay the groundwork and foundation for starting who we call a Baptist church. And uh, our very first Sunday was in October 2013. Uh, and we, would, we didn't really know what was gonna happen. There was uh, uh, two or three families that had come with us to, to, uh, that we had met while we'd been on here on the island that were coming with us to start the church. We really didn't know what was gonna happen. And God began to lay a foundation for what you're a part of today. Uh, in those early days, it was really exciting. I remember uh, thinking as we first started how awesome it would be maybe one day before we, we wrap up and before my time on earth is done, maybe God would let us have 100 people in church. That would be, would have just like, that was as big as my mind could get at that moment. We were uh, meeting in the, what's now the children's classroom where there were our super church kiddos are at. That used to be our main auditorium. Uh, and I remember the first time that we walked in there, the, the auditorium looked massive to me. I thought to myself, we'll never fill this up, but maybe one day God would give us a hundred people that would show up for church. That would just be like next level kind of stuff, right? And I remember uh, we had uh, our very first Sunday, we had 86 and uh, probably 30 of those were borrowed from another church who was helping us out with nursery and children's ministry and parking and things like that. And some folks had just come uh, to see what was gonna happen. And so uh, we started with 86 that first Sunday and then the next Sunday was about 60 and the Sunday after that it was about 30 and the Sunday after that it was about 25 and it began to, to slowly go down and, and level out. 
And again, I, I prayed that God would one day let us have 100 people in church. That was just mind-blowing. And we began to do the work, and that very first Easter Sunday was, would have been April of 2014. Uh, we had only been around for less than six months at that point, probably about five months or so. Uh, and we had our very first Easter Sunday, and we were... Um, our ushers were counting during the, the special music and uh, one of the ushers came by and showed me a sheet of paper and it said 99 on it. And I was just like, wow. We, we like almost made it to 100. That was incredible. And I, was thought, and I thought to myself in my mind, there was a lady who came in before that asked directions to the mall. Should we count that lady and just like make it an even 100? But we didn't. Um, and so there was times where I wanted to count some people twice because I thought they might have some mental issues that would cause us to count them twice. Uh, but that wasn't the case. We thought, we're just 99. We'll just go with that. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was, I was preaching. There was a family that came in late with five people. And we hit 104 that Sunday. And I thought to myself, this is as good as it gets. Like, this is it. We have made it. We, we made it. But what I didn't realize at that moment was that was just a small step of faith that we had taken that God says, hang on, because something awesome is going to happen. As we read in this passage of Scripture, we see uh, Peter who's fishing with Jesus. Uh, now, I'm not a fisherman. I don't enjoy fishing. I get, uh, I get motion sick just looking at the water, okay? But the idea of sitting in a boat and fishing with Jesus, that would be awesome. I would totally go and fish with Jesus. Uh, that would be incredible. I'd take some Bramamine before I went, but I would go fishing with Jesus. But Peter is fishing with Jesus, and he lets down his net and gets the biggest batch of fish that he's ever had in his entire life. Why? Because it was so much that his ship began to sink. And he called over for help from James and John, said, guys, come give me a hand. They came over, and their ship began to sink. And I can only imagine Peter thinking in his mind as a fisherman, this is as good as it gets. This is like next level kind of fishing. I've never seen fishing like this before in my life. And Jesus says, you haven't seen anything yet. Come with me, and we're gonna catch men from here on out. And the Bible says they left their nets and followed him. What would cause people to follow Jesus with such radical faith? What would cause people to quit their job without a two weeks notice and follow Jesus? What would cause them to leave probably hundreds, if not maybe thousands of dollars worth of fish sitting on the shoreline with somebody else and follow Jesus? What causes that? I got a few ideas from this passage. First of all, we launch out with Jesus because Jesus is the truth. <coughs> Jesus tells us himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the world that we live in today of so much so-called fake news and our media shaping what uh, we think is important, what things are appropriate and things along those lines, uh, we've really kind of uh, missed the boat many times. We've missed the forest for the trees sometimes. We forget to look at the big picture. What the world has to offer you is a cheap counterfeit. It's a knockoff. I had someone give me a Mont Blanc pen one time wow, this is really nice. I've never, at that time, I'd never owned a Mont Blanc pen before. I thought, this is really nice. I take the cap off of it, and the entire pen falls apart. And I realized, so where did you get this? Can I take it back? Well, I bought it while I was on vacation in China. Got it. Thank you so much. What the world has to offer is a fake. Jesus has the real deal. Jesus is the truth. Everything that we see is not true. You see, we live in a society today that wants to get bent out of shape about the things that really aren't all that important. We want a major on the minors and minor on the majors. And Jesus allows us to step back 
and get perspective of what is true. Everything that Jesus says is true. He was God in the flesh. You see, Jesus not only is the truth, Jesus has the truth. My wife uh, did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, she grew up in a, a fairly moral home. They went to church, but they did not go to a gospel-preaching church, and she did not get saved at the church that she went to. Uh, and so she didn't really know a lot about the Bible. And neither my wife or I had ever been discipled uh, appropriately. I got saved when I was uh, nine years old, but I never grew in my faith because nobody ever taught me how to live like a committed Christian. Uh, that's why I believe discipleship is so incredibly important. Every Christian needs to go through some form of discipleship because that's the only way that you can learn what it means to be a committed follower of Jesus. Highly, highly, highly recommend that. But my wife and I had gotten married and we began to talk and she, uh, she had said, I don't really know a lot about the Bible. Uh, she, she, I said, well, I said, have you read any of it? And she goes, yeah. She said, I really love the Sermon on the Mount. And I thought to myself, that's strange that someone would say that they love the Sermon on the Mount when they don't know anything about the Bible. And I said, that, that's interesting. I said, well, what, what do you know about it? And she said, well, I just know that Jesus said it because it's in red. Said, well, that's true. And she said, I was always told by people that you can't really know what you can trust in the Bible and what you, what's true and what's not in the Bible. First of all, let me just help you with that. That's false. The Bible is good cover to cover. It's completely and totally inerrant. It is trustworthy. People have spent their entire lives trying to disprove the Bible only to come up short, only to come up empty. You can trust the word of God. It's good. I promise you that, okay? But somebody along the way had told her, and let me just tell you, anytime someone tries to put a seed of doubt on the word of God. That's not of God. It's definitely of the devil. Put a seed of doubt in her mind. Don't really know what you can trust of the Bible. And she said, I didn't know what I could trust, but I knew if Jesus said it, I could trust it. So I flipped through my Bible and I found the places there where there was a lot of red words and I read that. And she said, the Sermon on the Mount, there was a lot. There's like five chapters of what Jesus said. It's one of the most lengthy discourses that Jesus ever gave uh, that we have recorded in scripture. So she became a, a, a student of the Sermon on the Mount. And so that she didn't know a lot about the Bible, but she knew the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus said it. While the premise on which she read it was flawed in the fact that she was told that you couldn't trust the entire Bible, the idea that we would take Jesus's words very, very seriously, that premise still stands true. If Jesus said it, you can take it to the bank. The word of God is good cover to cover and it is meant for us. The Bible says it's good for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. The Bible is good for you in every area of your life. And Jesus is the truth and Jesus has the truth. John chapter 17, verse number 15 is in your notes here. He says, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Jesus is praying to the heavenly father, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so Jesus, every word that he spoke was true. Every word that we have from God in the Bible is true. You can take it to the bank. You can build your life upon it. Here's the good news about his truth, though. His truth makes us free. Jesus says, now we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. John chapter eight, he said that. You see, you might not have known this, but you were born into bondage and slavery. You were born a prisoner of your sin and of the lies of this world. We were born into this world and we bought it hook, line, and sinker. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a, uh, a school where you were uh, popular based on the type of clothes you wear, what kind of job your parents had, how much money they had, where you went on vacation, what kind of car you drove, what kind of car your parents drove, whether or not you had a pool, didn't have a pool. You were judged and based, be, you were popular based on those things. Let me just tell you, all of those things are a lie. But we live in a society today that heightens those things and puts down the things that are really actually important. But I'm telling you this, when you find the truth of who Jesus is, everything else doesn't matter at that point. When you're no longer a slave to your sin, when you're no longer a slave to the way the world does things any longer, you are now free to live a life of liberty like you've never had before in your entire life. Starting in a couple of weeks, uh, next Sunday night, we're gonna begin our verse-by-verse study of the book of Galatians. Oh man, I can't wait for that. I'm super fired up about it. But the idea behind Galatians is Jesus has made you free. And the Bible says that the truth of the gospel sets us free. You see, you were born in slavery to sin. You and I didn't know how to do anything but sin. The Bible says that our sin is part of our nature. Because Adam, from Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, sinned against God, his sin has passed upon all men, so all have sinned. Romans chapter five tells us that. And you and I have sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. Every, and there's none righteous, no, not one. Every person in this room has committed sins against God. Every single one of us is guilty in God's eyes. And because of our sin, we have earned the penalty of our sin. The penalty of our sin is death. Not only physical death on this earth, but an eternal death separation from God in a place called hell. If you and I die in our sins, we will spend eternity separated from God in hell worst thing in the world that could ever happen to someone. And God loves you too much to allow you to go to hell without having an opportunity. So the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That you were supposed to die and be separated from God, but Jesus came in your place and died and was separated from God because of his love for you. That's the truth of what we call the gospel. It's the most important story ever told. And so Jesus died in your place so that you don't have to die, so that you don't have to go to hell, so that you can be forgiven. But you have to make that choice for yourself. I can't make it for you. You couldn't pray another person into heaven if you wanted to. You couldn't be, uh, there are certain false religions that say you can be baptized for the dead. Hey, Uncle Zeke died and wasn't a Christian, so I'm gonna go be baptized in Uncle Zeke's place so that he can go to heaven. Not found in scripture anywhere. It's completely and totally satanic in origin. But you gotta make a decision for yourself. And you don't get to make that decision after you die. You gotta make it ahead of time. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment. You die, you and I, when I, we die. When it's our time, when it's lights out on this earth for us, we will stand before a holy God and we'll give an account for our life. And it will not be how good of a person you were. It will not be how bad of a person you were. The question will be, what did you do with Jesus? Did you accept his payment for your sin? Did you receive my son Jesus as your savior? If so, you'll go to heaven. But if you tried to make it on your own, well, I went to church a lot, I got baptized, I was a good guy. We had a food drive at work. I would always give food. Anybody ever needed a ride somewhere, I'd give them a ride. Hey, all of your works mean zero to God. They will earn you nothing. 
the only hope that you have, the only hope that I have, is Jesus and Jesus alone for eternal life. Jesus says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is the only hope that I have. He's the only hope that you have. And let me tell you this, the day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are saved. You are born again, the Bible says. And Jesus goes so far in John 3 to say, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be saved. And the day that you are saved, let me tell you this, friend, you are set free from your past, from your sin, from your guilt, from your shame. You're set free from God's wrath. The Bible says God's condemnation will never come upon those who have Jesus Christ as their savior. Let me tell you this, you will be free like you've never been free before in your entire life. But you must make a decision for yourself to put your faith in Jesus. John chapter five, verse number 24, Jesus says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Friend, do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Are you 100% sure that heaven is your home? If you are not 100% sure, please don't leave here today until you are. We can take somebody and they can take the Bible, a guy with a guy, a lady with a lady, and sit down with you for five to 10 minutes and show you how you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home and your sins are forgiven and that you are saved. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And let me just tell you this, you cannot go any further in your journey with Jesus until you are saved. That's like step one. You don't get to skip the step 10, you start at step one. If you reject Jesus as your savior, know this, you are an enemy of God. Heavy stuff, but this is the truth that'll make you free. It's the best story ever told, the story of what Jesus did. Not only does Jesus have the truth, not only does Jesus' truth make us free, Jesus is the word of God. It's interesting in verse number one in our passage here, Luke chapter five, verse number one, and the, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. When you and I talk about hearing the word of God, we think of the Bible. But when Jesus spoke, Jesus was God in the flesh. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke the words of God. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's, that's heavy. Everything Jesus said was the word of God. It's crazy. And these people just wanted to hear God speak. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine sitting on a hillside in the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is sitting on a boat out in the middle of the water just telling us about life. Oh, man. Can you imagine how incredible that would be? Can you imagine hearing Jesus speak? God in the flesh. The word of God is coming in your ears. Oh, man. How incredible would that be, right? Hold up for a second. Here's what Peter had to say about that. Peter said, I was in the Mount of Transfiguration and I heard God's voice with my own ears. I heard the, the voice of God. Peter traveled with Jesus for probably three years or so. 
And he ate, drank, slept in the same place as God in the flesh. But here's what Peter says about hearing God's word audibly. He says this, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We've got something better than hearing God's voice audibly. If you and I were to hear Jesus talk, if we didn't take notes uh, and we were just kind of sitting listening, after we left, we'd all have a different interpretation of what he really said and what was really important. But here, make no mistake about what Jesus has said. Make no mistake about what God says is important because we have a more sure word than hearing God's voice audibly. This is the Bible. Jesus was the Bible incarnate. If you have kids in Super Church today, uh, I think it was last week they learned about the incarnation of God, how God became a man, and while he was fully God, he was also fully man at the same time. Man, I'm thankful that our kids get to learn Bible doctrine and not just sing songs and color coloring sheets. They're learning Bible doctrine over there. So if you have kiddos in super church, ask them about the incarnation of God. But Jesus was the word of God in the flesh. So everything that Jesus said was good. Everything that he has to say to us today is good. And we don't have to hear God's voice audibly from heaven. We have 66 books that God has written to us directly that we have access to every single day. If I told you today at three o'clock in the afternoon at the Alamona Center Court, God is gonna be there and he's gonna speak to us, I believe every single one of us would be here. I don't care what you had going on this afternoon, you'd cancel it because God was gonna be there to speak to us. Yet we carry around the word of God and we don't open it six out of seven days a week. And we might bring it on Sunday, we might crack it, we might listen to it on Sunday unless we got something else going on. Hey, look, God has spoken clearly through his word. Let's make use of it. It grieves me that there are churches today where you don't need to bring your Bible to church. Somebody had sent me a video of a pastor on the mainland that asked me to listen to it. I got about 20 minutes into it. And it was just the most heinous nonsense I'd ever heard in my entire life. Not one Bible verse was quoted. Not once did he say, open your Bible. Not once did he say, the Bible says, not one time. It was just a bunch of hype talk. If you believe God's good, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. You have an organ playing in the back. If you believe God's faithful, say amen, amen. Organ playing in the back. Somebody better shout hallelujah, hallelujah. And I thought to myself, come on. God's word is so good, we don't need a pep rally. We don't need to just get hyped up for the sake of getting hyped up. God's word is so rich with everything that you and I need to make it this week. Let's talk about the Bible. So here at Who We Call, we place a great emphasis on the Bible. Every time you're here, we're gonna open the Bible, we're gonna teach the Bible. Three times throughout the year, we have designated training times that we call discipleship, where we teach you the Bible in a one-on-one environment. Sometimes we do couples with couples. But the idea is I'm gonna teach you from the Bible what you need to know to live your life and be a committed follower of Jesus because it's that big of a deal. Jesus is the word of God. So why do we launch out? Well, we launch out because Jesus is the truth. Secondly, we launch out so that the works of God can be manifest. In 2019, I have very little desire to see what I can accomplish because I know how pathetically weak I am. I know my New Year's goals that I've already struggled with a little bit. 
I'm not content to see what I can do this year. I want to see what God can do in my life this year. I don't have a really big desire to see what you or I can do in this church this year. I have a great desire to see what God can do in his church this year. I'm not really looking to see what kind of impact I personally can make in somebody's life. I'm asking for God to use me to use him to make an impact in somebody else's life. And you see, if we just do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always got. Do what you've always done, get what you've always gotten. But when we let God do what God can do, then we begin to see what God can do. And that's what I want to see, and I hope that's what you want to see as well. But that requires a little bit of faith on our part. Hey, faith can be scary sometimes. Jesus told Peter here, hey, I want you to push out your boat a little way. Peter, like, I'm going to push out the boat a little way. I want you to launch out into the deep. Peter's like, I don't know where this is going. Hey, I want you to let down your net. Ah, that, we've already fished all night and didn't catch anything, but I'll, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. Then Jesus says, hey, I want you to follow me, and we're going to catch men from here on out. But you see, if Jesus had got, gone into to Peter's ship and says, hey, launch out a little bit, Peter said, this is as far as we go. We would have never seen the miracle. If Jesus had said, launch out into the deep and put down your net, and Peter says, I, I'm not going there, we would have never seen this story. The story would have been about a missed opportunity instead of someone seeing God work. And God requires you and I to show faith so that he can meet our faith with his blessing. It requires that. And if you are not willing to live a life of faith, you will not see the types of blessings that God wants to give you. You see, when we fail to live by faith, we artificially cap our potential in Jesus. You see, God created us as faith beings. The whole idea that there is a God is a faith thing for you and I. You get that, right? To believe that there is a God in heaven is a, a step of faith. To believe that you and I have the word of God is a step of faith. For you to come here this morning to worship God and meet with your church family and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that was a step of faith on your part. And I applaud you for that. But it can't stop there. My faith can't just be that I show up to church on Sunday mornings most of the time. My faith can't be, well, I believe that there's a God. My faith cannot just be, well, I know that I'm going to heaven when I die. All of those are great places to start, but they're terrible places to stop on the faith journey. It's about pushing further and further and further out to see the works of God manifest. Last week, we took a look at Matthew chapter 17, verse number 18. The apostles had tried to cast out a demon out of a child. They couldn't. They failed on multiple occasions. They brought him to Jesus in verse number 18, Matthew 17, verse number 18, and Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have a grain of a, faith is a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place and shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind not goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. You see, the catalyst that brought about the change here was faith. Why couldn't we do it, Jesus? Because of your unbelief. Because you did not believe that I could do this. 
And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've prayed half-hearted prayers. Well, God, I know that you could probably do this, but you probably won't do it, but I'm just gonna ask anyways. Those type of prayers get you nowhere with God. God wants you to believe in faith. The Bible says whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, by faith believing, he'll give to you. And so faith is the activating agent for what God wants to see in your life. And when you refuse to follow God by faith, you're capping your potential. You're not, you're not able to see what God wants to do in your life. I'm just challenging you. Live by faith just this week. Just the next seven days, just give everything over to God and say, God, you've got this. I trust you. You're gonna handle it. And just see what happens. Just try it for 24 hours. I'm telling you this, every time God meets our faith with his provision every single time. He's faithful and you can trust him. See, living by faith maximizes God's glory in our life. <laughs> our family had uh, moved to uh, Hawaii in uh, 1999. I was in the Navy. I got stationed at the... Uh, uh, Naval Security Group Activity, Kania, uh, out by Schofield. Uh, and we finished up the last two years of the Navy career here. Uh, we got out, we started, uh, got out of the Navy and started a computer training consulting business here uh, in Honolulu. Did that for about three years and then went to the, the mainland to go to Bible college in 2003. So 2003, we moved there. We know absolutely no one at this college, never met anybody, never talked to anybody. Uh, really, like we showed up and wasn't anybody waiting for us at the airport. We got a rental car. We stayed in a hotel that night because we didn't know anybody. We had rented an apartment on the internet that we had found and we just really living by faith. We'd sold pretty much everything that we had here. When we moved there, we didn't even have a car. Uh, we had a little bit of money. We had probably about a thousand bucks and just really just trusting God. It was me and Angela and our boys at the time. I think Vanderlei was probably about uh, one and a half. That should probably would have been uh, probably third, fourth grade, something like that. And it was just the, the four of us and we moved into our apartment and all we had is what we had brought on the airplane and what we had shipped via the postal service. That was it. And so we had maybe 10 boxes of stuff and a couple of suitcases. And I remember that first night sitting on the floor in, in Palmdale, California in our new apartment that we just moved into, getting ready to find this church that, that we had, uh, had prayed about going to and to serving, uh, serving at the church and then uh, going to Bible college. We sat there and we had pizza that night. Man, every major event in our life has been marked by pizza. It's a blessed thing. It's a blessed thing. Every one of our ch children that's been bored, we always order pizza at night. Uh, it's, it's a good thing. But we had pizza that night, and we're sitting there on the floor. No beds, no bed frames, no nothing. Uh, we bought some air mattresses for the kids to, to sleep on that night. And you know what? It was just such peace, knowing that we were where God wanted us to be. We didn't have a lot, but we just had a lot of faith. And over the next uh, six or seven years, God provided. God, every single time with our faith, met with his provision. I didn't have a job or a prospect of a job and really went almost two months without any income whatsoever. And that $1,000 that we had dwindled nearly to nothing. And God just kept providing every single step along the way by faith. I got a job working on staff at the church as a, a technology director. I did that for uh, almost 10 years. And there came a point uh, after we had moved there and we had exhibited such faith and went there really with absolutely nothing to our name where things began to get really comfortable for us. 
I was making a livable wage, and uh, we were able to pay down some of our bills and our debt and stuff like that. We'd even uh, bought a house. It was our dream house for us. Uh, really, we had, we had prayed about uh, probably seven years that God would give us a home there. And he, we had a home there, 3,000-square-foot home and a big 10,000-square-foot lot, a three-car garage. I mean, it was, it was everything that we thought would be in the cul-de-sac, basketball goal out in the backyard. I mean, every, it was good. But the problem came is one morning I woke up and I realized there's not really any faith to this anymore. My bills are paid. I'm comfortable where I'm at. I got a good job. We got friends here. My kids are in a great school. They've got friends here. We, it's been a long time since we had to pray for God to pay our bills. It's been a long time since we had to pray for God to meet some need that we have. We just kind of got everything taken care of. We're in a really comfortable place and we talked about this last week growth never takes place in the comfort zone and we really just kind of plateaued in our faith journey just kind of stuck wasn't any big hurdles or big mountains to climb after that we kind of like made it we had the opportunity to start a single adults uh, uh, bible study on Sunday mornings we started with about 12 single adults and by the time we left it was over 100 that we had reached and just spending time with these folks every single week just absolutely loved it loved it but there wasn't a lot of faith involved in that through some prayer and fasting and some bible reading and reading some some books God began to stir in my heart it's time to take the next step and I asked myself a question that now I ask myself on a regular basis it's a question that changed the course of our family's life forever. God, how can I maximize your glory in my life? What can I do that would cause people to say, whoa, that's an awesome God right there. What is that next step for us? And we can begin to pray and seek God's guidance on that. Fast forward a little, uh, probably about a year later, we felt like God was calling us here to the city, in the middle of the city, to start a church. People say, oh, there's, there's other places you could go. This is where God's called us to be. And we moved here by faith, believing that God is able, that God would meet every single need that we had, believing that there were people in this city that needed to know about Jesus and needed to grow in their faith. And we came here and we started who we call about a church. Since that time, I've asked myself at least once a week, God, how can I maximize your glory in my life? And that constantly has me looking for the next hill to climb. You see, we plateau when we're no longer living by faith. When all of our bills are paid and everything's taken care of and everybody's got perfect health, and there's not really any needs that we have, just everything's good for us. We plateau in our faith journey and God wants us to continue to move upward. The Apostle Paul challenged the church at Corinth, I want you to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always be looking for the next level up. And so I'm encouraging you this year to launch out by faith and take your faith a step up. And ask yourself the question, how can I maximize God's glory in my life? Finally, we launch out because it isn't about us. Why launch out if we're comfortable? I looked at, I was watching our uh, 2018 year review video that we saw right before the service. And I began to see all the things that God had done. Dozens of people saved dozens of people baptized, dozens of people in discipleship. And really, if we were to, to count up our year in review videos that we've had over the last five years, we've had over 100 people saved, over 100 people baptized, hundreds 
a part of our discipleship program. Hey, look, if you look around this morning, we don't have a lot of empty chairs. We've got a few places we can set some chairs up and stuff like that, but we're fairly full this morning. This would be a great place for us to say, hey, look at us. We made it. Our bills are getting paid. We've got a decent crowd of folks here today. Let's just kind of kick it in neutral and just kind of coast with this for a little while. Comfortable. We're good. Again, I told you, what we're a part of this morning is, it was larger than anything I could have imagined in my mind, really. So why not just kick back and relax a little bit? Why do we have to keep pushing forward? Because at the end of the day, it's not about you and I. It's not about us. It's about others. Take a look at verse number 10 in our passage, Luke chapter five, verse number 10. <laughs> and so it's also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You see, living by faith foregoes my own comfort for the glory of God. God has put me here for a purpose. God has put you here for a purpose. It's time to fulfill that purpose. You might look and you say, well, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what, what my job is. Here's your job. I'll tell it to you. Here's your purpose for living. I'll tell you right now, the glory of God. That's it. Now, the way that you give God glory will be different than the way that I give God glory. The way that God uses you is gonna be different from the way that God uses me, but at the end of the day, we have the same purpose to give God glory. I give God glory by being a good husband, by being a good father, by being a good pastor, by being a good son, by being a good brother, by being a good friend, by being a good witness. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me and what I can get out of it, it's about God's glory. Hey, look, if I wanted to go somewhere where I could be comfortable, this would have been the last place I would have picked. If I'd gone to a place that was easy, last place I would have picked, <laughs> I come from, a, this, is, this is not a lie, I'm not making this up. I come from a town of 4,000 people in a small town in Kentucky where I grew up. In that town of 4,000 people, there are 75 Baptist churches. 75 for 4,000 people. And here, you know, hear something funny? People are planting new churches in that town. Why? Because people get mad at this church and then they move on to the next big thing. And really people just shuttle between churches. I, don't, I haven't done a count lately, but in the city limits of Honolulu, I'd say there's probably less than 10 Baptist churches in the city limits for, what, 400,000 people? Hey, it would have been a lot easier to go to a place where the cost, hey, we could have rented a church building there for $300 a month. Wouldn't that be nice? We spend more than that in coffee here, I think. Hey, let's go where it's easy. Nope, I'm gonna go where God can get glory. Hey, me, show me a place where people say it cannot be done. I wanna go there. Why? Not because of me, because God wants glory from that. God wants to do things that people say is not possible. God wants to reach people that cannot be reached according to everyone else. I wanna maximize God's glory in my life. Next, living by faith forgoes my own comfort for the good of others. If you really believe that there's a heaven and there's a hell, and you really believe that Jesus is the only way, that should change the way that you live. 
If your neighbor's house is on fire and you just sit there on the couch watching Netflix, you're a terrible person. True? True statement, right? If my neighbor I know is going to hell and I don't at least throw the flag, I'm not going to say you're a terrible person, but you can determine what that means. It's not good. And here's the thing. You don't have to be the crazy Bible thumper. You don't have to put 100 bumper stickers on your car. There's a taxi that drives around here that says on the back, uh, sinnersgotohell.com or something like that. It's just like, ah, I see what you're trying to do. It's just probably not the best way to do it, you know? I remember uh, the two years in a row that I did the, the great Aloha run, there was a guy out right before you get into Aloha Stadium, there's out there with a big, huge sign that says sinners burn in hell. And I was just like, I agree with what you say, 100%. I disagree with the way that you say it. Standing on the road yelling at people with a megaphone doesn't go as far as having coffee with a friend and saying, hey, I got something super important I want to share with you. If it's not your thing, I totally understand it. It's just, I got, I got to tell you. That'll go a lot farther, I promise you that. There are people that are here in this room today because somebody went next door to a neighbor and said, hey, I don't know if you guys go to church or not, but I just wanted to give you an invitation to our church and want to invite you to come with us. People are here today because somebody did that. People are here today because a friend took somebody to coffee and said, hey, I'm not trying to be pushy or, or weird or anything like that, but I want to give you this book. It talks about how you can know for sure when you die you're on your way to heaven. It's the most important thing you'll ever read in your life. There's people here this morning because of that. Because they realized launching out by faith causes us to get a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, and that's okay because it's for the good of other people. Living by faith forgoes my own comfort to be a part of something greater than myself. I'm willing to set being comfortable aside for a minute because I believe God's word to be true. I'm going to sit aside my comfort because I believe Jesus is worthy. I'm going to set aside my comfort and maybe time out of my schedule to be a part of a group of people because I believe these people are important. Let me just tell you this. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. My personal opinion, I'll tell you that. Who we call about his church is by far the best church I've ever been a part of, and I don't say that because I'm the pastor. If I wasn't the pastor of this church, I would just join it and be a member because these are the best people I've ever served Jesus with in my life, ever. Best church since the book of Acts. I stand by that statement. Again, a little bit biased, but that's okay. Uh, I, I admit my bias to you. But here's the thing. We're not perfect. You hang around here long enough, somebody's gonna say something to disappoint you. Somebody's gonna say something to hurt your feelings. I'm gonna say something that's gonna step on your toes. I'm gonna say something that's insensitive and unkind. We were talking about in our uh, connect groups on Wednesday night, we we're going through the book of James. And we were talking about the sins of the tongue from James chapter three and how no one can control their tongues and, and their words try as we might. And I, I confess one of my uh, problems that I have is sarcasm. I use what I call humor to lighten the situation, but really it's just an attack on people. I've been guilty before of somebody saying, oh, I didn't know we were having a cookout this Friday. And I said, well, if you came to church, you would know all about it. Isn't that funny? Ha ha ha. <laughs> I thought it was funny. No, you know what? That's hurtful. 
I don't have to be that way. You know why? Because I realize I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. I want to be a part of this church. I want God to use me through this church. If we are the body of Christ that goes out and gets work done throughout the week on behalf of Jesus, I want a, I want a job. I want to be involved in that. Some final thoughts on how we can launch out by faith this year. First of all, determine now to live your life on the word of God. Right out to the side of this obedience. Angela and I made a decision probably 18 years ago. Whatever the Bible tells us to do, we're just gonna do it even if we don't like it. There were very uncomfortable times. There were very fearful times. But there were times of great blessing because of it. And let me just help you with this. You're seated here this morning because we made a decision 18 years ago to launch out by faith and just believe God's word was true. And that pays dividends. Again, no credit to us. Please don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. We made a decision to trust God and God did the work. We have friends sometimes that come in and visit Hawaii and they stop by our church and say, wow, this is amazing, this is awesome. And I tell them the same thing every time. Hey, God did this, we just show up every Sunday and he does it. That's it. I don't take any credit for this. I'm not smart enough to do this. We're not organized enough to do this. We just decided to obey the word and God did the rest. I'm telling you this, God wants to do it in your life too. Whatever you're confronted to obey or disobey, I promise you this, obedience is the best path every single time. Not most of the time, a large percent, 100% of the time, obedience to God is always the best way. Next, ask yourself this question, God, how can I maximize your glory in my life? Oh, be careful with that question because you might get an answer that you don't like. But it's the best path, I promise you that. Maybe God's given you a talent, an ability that you could use for him. Maybe God's given you an influence, a relationship with somebody that you can use to influence him. Maybe God's asking you to step out on faith and do something that's a little bit uncomfortable for you. I prayed since the beginning of who we call a Baptist church that God would raise up a family from this church to leave our church to start another church on this island. Maybe that's you and your family. I don't know. But I know this. If you live your life with a desire to maximize God's glory in your life, you'll never be disappointed. Never, ever, ever. Next, live selflessly one day at a time. <laughs> Wake up tomorrow. Just, just try one day. Again, one day at a time. Wake up tomorrow and say, today's not about me. Today's not about me. It's about the Lord and it's about other people. You know that Jesus says that was the most important thing? Somebody came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Jesus, what's the most important rule in all the Bible? Most important thing, what is it? And Jesus said, they thought they were gonna trick him, you know, like he'd say, oh, it's better to go here and pray than it is to do He said, do this. Love the Lord with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor the way that you love yourself and everything else works itself out. So if you wake up tomorrow with just an idea to love God and love other people and put them first every single time, It'll all work out. And I'm telling you this, your life will begin to change. 100% of the problem that I find in marital counseling, 100%, are you, are you with me here? Hopefully I got your attention. Is when people live selfishly. She's not meeting my needs. Well, he's, he treated me unkindly. And we begin to live selfishly. What can I get out of this? I'm not getting what I wanted out of the relationship. 
100% of the time. But you know when things begin to work and things begin to click, when I say, hey, it's not about me. How can I serve my spouse today? How can I serve my kids today? How can I serve my coworkers today? How can I serve this guy that I've never met before? How can I serve my barista at Starbucks? Aren't they supposed to serve me? No, you serve them. A lot of times I just stop and I say, hey, thanks for making this drink for me today. I really appreciate that. And they're like, stop what they're doing. Like, Excuse me? What'd you say? I said, thanks. Do you know that just things like gratefulness is a lost art in our society today? Just saying thanks. Live selflessly one day at a time, and I promise you this, it'll change your life. This is the most important thing, though. Launching out begins with the first step. We took a look at this last week. But Jesus says, Peter, can I get in your boat for a minute? He got in his boat. Peter, can you launch out, push out just a little ways? Peter, can you launch out into the deep? Peter, can you let down your nets? Peter, just follow me and we're gonna go catch some men. One step at a time. One step at a time. God's calling you to make a step. What's your step? Everybody needs one. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe you need to learn more about the Bible. Maybe you need to commit to faithful church attendance. Maybe you need to be in a connect group and be part of a community on Wednesday nights. Maybe you're a single adult. You need to be around other single adults on Friday nights. You need to grow in community with other single adults that are trying to go the same direction you are. Maybe you need to be baptized. We have three folks today that are being baptized. They say, hey, this is my next step to follow Jesus in obedience and baptism today. Maybe you need to be faithful in your tithes and offerings and your giving to the Lord. Maybe you need to be faithful in sharing your faith and witnessing to other people. You say, well, I don't know how. Great, I'd be happy to train you. But what we can't do is sit on the beach and watch everybody else launch out and follow Jesus and we're just sitting there waiting for Jesus to come back around again. Can't do it. Peter followed Jesus and got to walk with him for the next three, three and a half years probably. The rest of the people that heard Jesus talk that day, they went back home and they probably said, oh, that was good talk, good talk. If he ever comes back around, let me know. I'd love to hear that again. But they didn't follow Jesus by faith. Jesus is calling every person in this room to live by faith today. Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Live by faith, you'll never be disappointed. I promise you that. Most important thing in the world your very first step is being saved or born again. If you do not know for sure your sins are forgiven, today is your day to take the very first step to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I give my sin to him in exchange for his forgiveness and the hope of eternal life. You can't go anywhere until you get that first step done. But if you're a child of God, hey, let this be one of the years where we grow by faith like never before. It requires faith.